I'm about to do something that I do every single week before I preach. It is something that is easy to take for granted. It's something that many of you do before you eat. It is something, if you stop and think about it, that should absolutely blow our minds. I'm about to pray and, and speak to God. Okay, just stop and think about this. This is the one who is eternally existent. He is upholding all things by the word of his power. And, and we are about, right now, we're about to have his attention in prayer. There are times where I have opened in prayer and I confess, not been careful enough to realize that. To stop and say, wait a second. Who am I speaking to? This is God. We're, we're going to talk to God right now. Who are we to do that? If you don't marvel at the absolute spectacular reality of, of coming before the throne of grace, then today is an important day to stop and just say, hold on here. What gives us the right, the, the, the significance to come into his presence before his throne and speak at all? You feel that? I, I'm studying this week and I'm just struck by this. Like, that is unbelievably convicting. How lightly I skip into his presence. Now, don't get me wrong. We can. Like children, we're called to come before our Father. We have access through Christ, right? But we should be reminded, I think it's good for us to remind our, our soul, our mind regularly, when we pray, all of heaven is saying to us, don't forget who you're speaking to. This is God. I heard someone describe recently how often our minds will wander during prayers. I'm about to pray, and you're about to have an experience of joining me in the words that I am sharing with him. I'm using inclusive words, plural words. We're together going before the throne. Don't worry about your email, right? Don't worry about the game or the afternoon plans or what happened this week or the argument in the bathroom with the kids this morning. Lock eyes with him. Okay? So th this, is, this is good for us to just stop from time to time and say, here we go. We're, we're going to do this now together. Are you ready? Okay. Let's pray. Dear Father, Almighty God, sovereign over all things, who was and is and is to come. 
here, here we are, just us. It's just us. And there you are. I thank you for the invitation to come before you today together. Your church, your children, by the blood of your son, Jesus. We come and we, we, we look to you. We, we lock eyes with who you are and we love what we see. We, we delight in you. You exist and you are good and you are all glorious. You are the source of all joy in our hearts, the giver of every good and perfect gift, the one who sustains every heartbeat right now, who tr transforms the breath that we breathe into life to sustain us as we pray right now. We worship you. We honor you. We acknowledge you this morning. And Lord, we, we come weak, needy, fickle, beat down, some of us, broken, some of us. Oh Lord, we come desperate in need for you. Some of us have come in sin this morning, carrying all kinds of sinful, stubborn, tight-fisted rebellion. We need you, Lord. We need your grace. We, we need your word. We pray that your spirit, even now right here in this place, would, would move and work. Lord, I need you. I, I am about to speak on your behalf. Who am I? I pray that you would use me, that you would speak through me today and accomplish your good pleasure for your glory in our hearts together. We pray this because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. I titled the sermon this morning, The Disciples' Prayer. And what I'd like to do is just move through these 13 verses one at a time and just let them unpack uh, in, in our minds and then pray that the Lord would equip us to live these verses, to put them to work uh, as we walk through the week. I want to begin in verse 1 with uh, what I've titled, A Humble Desire. And we are given such a window here into the stunning uh, workings of Jesus' teaching uh, and interaction with his disciples. We together come as disciples this morning, learners, students, to sit at his feet and say, teach us, teach us, just like his disciples did then. Verse one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. It's a familiar request. We know that in Matthew 6, there's another interaction like this where the disciples ask this, and so a parallel account, although this one may have been a different time of instruction because Jesus taught regularly on some of these things, and so the 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 description that Luke records is different than maybe the Lord's Prayer that you're familiar with, especially if you grew up in the church. Um, and so be aware of that. It may be a different occasion, but it's a very similar teaching. And some of the things that we find in Matthew are assumed in Luke 
and, uh, and, and summed up here, really, with fewer words. I love this request. Lord, teach us to pray. One of the disciples just bravely and, and quite honestly and humbly just, just asks this question. Would you, would you teach us to pray? They had been watching Jesus in prayer. They had been marveling at his commitment to prayer. Right? His time with the Father was significant. It was important to him. He would regularly go away by himself and just spend hours and hours in prayer. Sometimes with the disciples, sometimes alone. What is mind-blowing to consider is that they have just asked the second member of the Trinity to teach them about prayer. Now, now when Jesus prays to the Father, think of this. This is an eternal communion, an eternal relationship. Jesus' prayers to the Father are, are a window into the absolute perfect unity and delight among the persons of the Godhead, of the Trinity. So to ask Jesus to teach us to pray is the perfect question. I'm so glad one of these disciples was brave enough and humble enough to say, I, I, I want you to teach me to pray. I'm watching. And I'm like, I, I don't pray like that. Will you teach us to pray? Such a good request, a good desire. Frankly, all of us are learning to pray. We are all learning to pray each day as we walk with him more and more. Now, if you grew up in the church, prayer is maybe a little bit more familiar to you. This, this might be something you've been around a lot. Now, if, if you're new to church, probably not, right? I know folks that have, I've, I've sat down with and, and they're like, listen, I've never ever prayed out loud, ever. And I'm like, well, you're in the right place, right? This is a safe place. We're all family here. Good place to learn how to pray. But it requires humility and courage, doesn't it? Teach us to pray, Lord. There is a way to grow in our prayers, that our prayers would be more consistent with who God is, with, with His will, to, to be more biblical, to, to, to pray in such a way that would honor God more. That's our longing here today. All of us can learn and grow in prayer. There's prayers of praise. Think of different categories of prayer. These, these are the prayers that, that adore God for who He is. When you, you see him and you, he takes your breath away, you're like, oh, Lord, I love what I see. I love your steadfast love. I love your promise keeping. I love your wisdom. Oh, I love your, 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 your spectacular attributes. I see you and I love what I see. Prayers of, of praise. The Psalms are loaded with this kind of praying. There's prayers of confession. And frankly, as believers who walk in this world, who battle the flesh, this should be an extremely common lead out in a lot of our praying, right? Prayers of confession, repentance. Lord, oh, you are holy. I am not. What I just did, what I just said, what I just didn't do or didn't say, that was sin, was offensive to you, was wrong. I confess this to you. 
I don't want sin. I want righteousness. I want to please you. I want to be holy like you are. And so I lay that at the foot of the cross. And I thank you for the provision of Jesus Christ who died to pay for that sin and I repent of it. I turn from it. Help me to obey you. I want to please you. I want to walk in your way. That is a, a prayer of confession and repentance. That should be a daily occurrence in our lives, friends. Every time the Spirit of God convicts us of sin, move it to prayer. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Worship God in confession and repentance. Prayers of gratitude. A lot of times when God works or answers prayer, this is where we're at, right? Lord, thank you for the way that you answered the prayer. We're so grateful for your provision for us, for your protection. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See the, the function there? Prayers of supplication. I, I think a lot of times when we think of prayer, this is where we tend to go. This category, it's a wonderful category. It's encouraged by Scripture. It'll be encouraged today as we study. This is where we come and we say, Lord, we need. We have needs. We look to you, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Supply our needs. Meet us in our need. We're broken. We're hurting. Help us. Accomplish your good plan through us. They're prayers of intercession. This is where we pray on behalf of other people. We're praying for someone else in their time of need, in their situation. Lord, I want to lift up before you Tom this morning. Tom is struggling with this. Meet him in that place. Show him your goodness. Sustain him. Give him strength. Bring comfort. Bring peace. Bring joy. Oh, Lord, grow his faith. That is a prayer of intercession. There are prayers that we pray alone. I think much of prayer is alone. Right? This is the pray without ceasing. This is what you do as you walk with God throughout the day. You're communing with Him. You're speaking with Him. You're conversing together with Him. It's the prayer alone in your time in the Word each morning. Lord, I lift up these things. I bring them before you. I adore what I see. I love what you've done. Thank you. And then there are Prayers that we pray together. Group prayers, public prayers. See both of these all over the scriptures. Plural pr prayers. A lot of times people say, well, what do I do when I'm not the one praying in public? H how do I, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Do I just wait until it's done? No. You join the words as if they're your words. Yes, I affirm that. I agree, Lord. Yes. Oh, I, I accomplished that. In, in your heart, you're hearing those words and you're together joining. Oh, I want that. I long for that. Yes, Lord, right? That's the group prayer experience. So much on prayer. This is such pavement for the Christian life, isn't it? It's, it's the ground we walk on day by day. Our relationship with God functions on the pavement of prayer. So it's an important topic to say, Lord, teach me to pray. I want to grow. I want to become a better prayer. I'm calling this the disciples' prayer because, you know, historically this has been referred to as the Lord's prayer, but it's not the Lord's prayer. He's not praying himself like in John 17, right? That's the high priestly prayer. This is, this is the disciple. He's teaching the disciples to pray. And one of the reasons I think this is important is because he confesses sin in, in this prayer, you know, 
forgive us our sins. Well, that's something Jesus never had to pray. So he's clearly instructing us, the sinners, to pray this prayer. And it's a spectacular thing to think that the second member of the Godhead would teach us to pray to the Father. What an awesome thing we have. So let's get into it, and we'll move our way through it piece by piece. Let's begin in verse 2a. Jesus responds, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now, we have to stop right there. We're one word into this prayer, and Jesus has absolutely revolutionized prayer. The very first word he speaks, Father, or Abba. By the way, just a footnote, this is a great sermon to take notes with. You, by the end of this sermon, there's going to be a, a lot of things that you will have wanted to write down, okay? And you might have a little struggle with room, but if you're a note taker, make sure you've got something to write with and take notes on this one. When you pray, say, Father. This, the, the, the word here is, is, is Abba in Aramaic. This is the same word that Jesus would have called his own father. Joseph, before he died, as a young boy, every time he ran up, Abba, 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 you're home. Good to see you, Abba. What an awesome word. This is not what a faithful Jew would have expected to hear. Okay, just, you have to feel this. This word, this, this title for God the Father, it, it carries this, this, this idea of, of dear father. Now, some people have said, Daddy, um, I, I get that. As long as we're emphasizing affection with regard and great, great respect, it's not a lightweight, Daddy. It's a weighty father or dear father. We don't just throw it around, but we can speak it, and it carries this, this connection. I'm connected to him. I have this relationship with him of affection. He loves me, and I can speak to him in this way, and protection. He's my father. He is my Abba. My children do not call me Jeremy. They don't. It would feel extremely weird if my son, Ethan, or my daughter, Gracie, walked up and said, hey, Jeremy, how's, you, how's your day? Be like, what? Who am I? I'm your dad. I'm your dad. You see the difference here? It's like that. So we have this relationship, and Jesus is bringing us into this, and the question is, how in the world is he doing this? It's totally unprecedented. This was brand new teaching. Nobody did this. I'll give you a, a, just a quick history of this. In the Old Testament, referring to God as Father only happened 14 times, and it was only in a universal sense, never in prayer. Only as referring to God as the, like the Father of nations or the Father of all, but never individually and certainly never in prayer. Faithful Jews were so careful to regard God as high and exalted that they never spoke the word Yahweh or the name of God out loud. They didn't want him, uh, his name to be spoken. So they invented this word Jehovah, which is kind of a combination of two words to be spoken. But even that they had great care with, many times with a hand over their head, 
like this, in humility. This was the regard for God, and that's good. It's right. It's there. Here's the problem. It felt distant. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and he begins to refer to God as his Father. And he only ever refers to God as his Father in his ministry. And every prayer he prays, he speaks, when he's speaking to the Father, he's speaking Father. 60 times in the gospel alone, he does this. This is such a radical change. Some people even mark the separation of Old and New Testament on this one distinction. It's a major change. It was such a radical change, it was one of the reasons why they wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus answered the, the, the Pharisees. He said, my father is working until now and I am working. Then the, the note that John adds, he says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Abba, Father. Making himself equal with God. Uh, yeah, he was. Hmm. Well, it's one thing for Jesus to call God his Father, because he is. But, but what right do we have? He's teaching us and the first word he uses is Abba. You should pray, Father. We don't have a right to do this, except for this. This is the connection. This is not just a tag-on closer to your prayer, not mindlessly spoken. When we close or open our prayers in the name of Jesus, all these things I pray, or I pray this all in Jesus' name. That's not throwaway. <laughs> That's the key to all of the throne of grace. That is our point of access to the throne, of, to the Father. We pray in Jesus' name because it's only in His name that we can actually call Him Father. What right do we have to even address the Most High God in this familiar way? only if Jesus is our Savior, our brother. And so we come to the Father in prayer through the Son and His work for us and the gospel, the function of Christ and His atonement and His dying in our place and His rising for our resurrection, for our newness of life. We come in His name, the sum up of all He said and did, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is significant, isn't it? Now, here's what I'm not trying to do. I'm not trying to give us a formula for prayer. What I am trying to say is we've got to remember that if Jesus is not our Savior, we have no right to call God our Father. You see what I mean? I don't have the right unless He is my Savior. And Jesus assumes this as he begins to teach his disciples. He's not teaching the crowds this. He's teaching his followers, his disciples this. Begin with this word, Father. Now, let's go on from there. Father, hallowed be your name. So God's glory is next. God's glory. Hallowed be your name. That's an old word. Sometimes we think Halloween, which is my least favorite uh, calendar moment of the year. Um, 
Hallowed be your name. What does the word hallowed mean? To hallow something means to sanctify it or to set it apart or to make it special. We're saying when we pray this, Lord, and this is a request, by the way. This is, a, this is the first request of our prayer as we come to the Father. Lord, sanctify your name. Set apart your name. Well, what is his name? His name is the person he has revealed himself to be. So when you see the, the revelation of God in his creation, and certainly with authoritative words in his special revelation, the word of God, you are seeing glimpses of the name of God or the godness of God. His attributes, his action, his will, the person of God. So this is maybe how we could say it. Hallowed be your name. May your name be set apart, Lord, in me, in my heart and in the people's hearts, in our hearts, as infinitely worthy and glorious. That is a good prayer to pray. What is the chief end of man? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What is God's chief goal in all that He does? Glorify God. So we begin our prayer saying, glorify yourself in my mind, in my heart, in our minds, in our hearts. Bring glory to yourself. Everything God does, always and only, ultimately, is for His glory to be displayed and manifested. God's kingdom. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. The Father's kingdom come. We're praying. This is a request. We pray that your kingdom would come. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is the rule and reign of God. It is the the location and the realization of his sovereignty over all things. When God reigns and rules, the people receive and rejoice his sovereign lordship. That is his kingdom. So friends, there's kingdom happening right here in this room today. The kingdom of God is close. It's here. It's in our hearts. Everywhere that we submit to his rule and reign, his kingdom comes in part. Your kingdom come in my heart today. Lord, in me more and more today, may your kingdom come. Make me more submissive to your lordship, to your rule, to your reign. Make me delight in your king, Jesus, more today. In me and through me. And I think the prayer could also be prayed like Maranatha, right? Bring your kingdom in all of its ultimate fulfillment. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Establish your reign. Put an end to sin. Let's be done with all the mourning and crying and pain. Let your kingdom come, right? We go on. Our provision. Our provision. Give us each day our daily bread. This is where it transitions. The first aspects of this prayer are all vertical, which is important to note. As we pray, it's a good place for us to at least begin to pattern the way we think. First, begin with expressions upward. Lord, we love who you are. We delight in your glory. We want your will, your kingdom to be accomplished in us. Now, we begin to concern ourselves with the horizontal. 
We begin with the most basic of things, daily bread. Give us each day, we pray, our daily bread. This is not a demand. It is a request. It's a request. Lord, we, we look to you. We, we look to you for our food. My friends, we live in such a blessed and wealthy place. We, are, we can go to the, the supermarket, the grocery store, and we've got all the choices of salad, right? Not just one, and it's already cut for us. We don't have to go to the garden and then harvest the carrots. It's all there. It's in a mix. You just add the dressing. Oh, I love that stuff. Mix it up. I must be in my 40s because I'm thinking about salad. What in the world? <laughs> we are so blessed. There are places in this world it's not like that, right? We've got missionaries in places in the world where it's not like that. Daily bread is a big deal. What does this tell us about how we should think in prayer? I had a friend one time who scolded me for praying about things that were too small. They were insignificant. He's like, listen, man, don't bother God with all the little stuff. God deals in big picture stuff. He doesn't really worry about this or that or the other. Is that true? Now, why would he say that? Why, why would he say that? His God was too small. The only reason you would suggest that is because you think somehow God is not able to handle that many requests if we're talking about, Lord, I, I'm not really sure where we should eat, what we should eat, how we're going to eat today. Across the globe, God is bigger than that. He can handle the prayers of every human being at one time through all of eternity and then some. He is not limited in his capacity to receive our requests and he delights when we do. There's no need too small. Our refrigerator broke down this weekend, caused chaos in our garage. It was just a garage refrigerator. You know, it's one of those where you're just like, it's so awesome that it's still working. It should have died years ago, and now it finally died. Well, how do you replace a garage refrigerator? You go on Craigslist. There were no refrigerators. You go on Facebook Marketplace. No refrigerators there either, at least for the price I was hoping to pay. So we begin our search, and we're driving all over the county to try to find a cheap, functioning garage refrigerator. Not to be found. And then my sermon begins to echo in my mind. Hey, you know what, Jer? You should pray about this. So we did. Ethan and I prayed as we went over to DeWard and Bode to their outlet store and uh, came home with a refrigerator for our garage. It's a nice one because they didn't have any scratch and dents. But hey, at the end of the day, the Lord supplied. Was that bothering God to pray about something like that? Absolutely not. We honored him, and frankly, it took too long for me to get to that place. Should have done that the moment I saw that it was dead. You see? No need too small. No need too great. Bring it before the Lord. 
Our Heavenly Father concerns Himself with the items on our grocery list. Food for our next meal matters to Him. Haddon Robinson, the great teacher of preachers. That's an an important reminder for your soul. Now, here's another reminder. This is daily need, not daily greed, right? Daily need. This is my daily bread, Lord. For the bread that we need each day, we look to you. This is for sustenance so that we can do the first request that we've made. We want you to provide for us so that we can bring glory to you. Now, we're going to trust you to do that. Your kingdom is what we build, not my kingdom. I'm not looking to try to build a mansion on this earth. It's all going to be destroyed. I am seeking to build your kingdom, and I'm asking for your provision to do that today. That's a good goal. It's a good goal. Honoring God at mealtime and throughout the day. I have gone around and around on this over the years as I've walked with the Lord at mealtime prayers. Very difficult to avoid this perfunctory thing. Oh, it's mealtime. Someone should pray. And, and how easy we just use words, mindless words. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Amen. What? Wait, hold on. What have we done? Mindless prayers dishonor God, right? So don't, don't waste mealtime prayers with mindless, just memorized or just routine. Well, it's time to pray. I guess we got Who's going to do it? Oh, you volunteered last, you get to go. You know, don't do that. Mealtime prayers are wonderful, built-in, automatic opportunities to acknowledge God, to delight in Him, to consider the place along the day that you are. Think about what He's done. Think about what you need as you walk through this day. Make the most of mealtime prayers. They don't have to be long, but, but honor Him in the mealtime prayer. Make the most of those moments. They're built in. And then throughout the day, acknowledge him. Practice his presence. Find ways to remind yourself that he is with you. You walk with him. He's there. He delights in our dependence throughout the day. Now, our forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. Jesus teaches us to pray this. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, sins and debt are synonymous here, right? They're synonymous. Our debt was forgiven in Christ. So this is not conversion forgiveness. This is daily walk forgiveness. This is daily daily prayers and uh, daily repentance. We depend upon you and we daily repent. As you walk through the world, your hands are stained with sin. We have to wash them in the gospel. This is a reminder, a return to the cross again and again. Come back. Delight in the the provision that's been made for you. Hmm. Forgive us our sins. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. What's interesting in how many scriptures, so many, is the connection between the work of God for our behalf and the work He calls us to for one another. Forgive one another as, not just because, which that's true as well, but how should we forgive is in view. As God forgave you. Well, how did He forgive me? 
when I didn't deserve it. When I was guilty, I was the trespass. I perpetrated the offenses. There was no uncertainty about who was guilty. And he forgave me. How much did he forgive me for all time? All of my sins. He removed them as far as the east is from the west. As God has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Like that. Now, this is the part of the prayer where this prayer can either be for you a blessing or a curse. Let me just read this. As, let's just say, I am one who is harboring resentment over an offense that I won't let go. Listen to how this prayer becomes a curse for me. Forgive me as I also forgive everyone who is indebted to me. And I, I won't forgive them. So what am I asking for you to do? Don't forgive me. It's a big deal. If you do not forgive others when they trespass against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your trespasses. That's a warning. And we do well to listen carefully to that today. It is my forgiveness of others that displays the glory of God's forgiveness of me. Forgiven people forgive. That's the, the flow of this. It's not conditional salvation. He's not saying, if, if I don't forgive people, then I don't deserve forgiveness. He's saying, you didn't deserve forgiveness and you've been forgiven. So now, go and forgive everybody even when they don't deserve it. You see the flow? Forgiveness remembers that my many sins were forgiven. Sometimes we think forgiveness is all about forgetting. It's not. Forgiveness is about remembering the gospel. That's where it begins. My forgiveness is given legs here in the gospel. I have to remember, not forget. Remember what he did for me, and I will forgive. My debt was impossibly great. What debt could compare with that on this level? Nothing. Pennies. Forgiveness celebrates the undeserved grace of God. I say, but they don't deserve my forgiveness. And the gospel echoes in my soul, and it says, neither did you. Neither did you. It's called grace and mercy. Forgiveness rests in the perfect justice of God. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. You don't have to be God. Judge, jury, and executioner. Leave room for my wrath. Don't be a vigilante for justice. This is an oxymoron, the unforgiving Christian. Now, 
right now in this room, there are people I know who have walked in these doors and they are harboring grudges, harboring bitterness. The knuckles are white and they won't let go of past offenses. I plead with you today, with earth and heaven, listen to this warning. Let this prayer be a blessing and not a curse. Your soul is in jeopardy. Forgive. Release. In His power. It's not easy. It's not easy. This is hard but you must do it or you deny the very salvation you claim and you're a liar. If you live and you cherish and you coddle this bitterness and anger and hostility, you will become everything you hate and you will go to hell. Don't doubt it. I say this in love and I say this with fire because it has to happen in our lives. It has to. Oh, friends, we have to be people who forgive even when it's not deserved. Okay. I preach this sermon at my heart as well the offenses that have come my way. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. Sometimes you find yourself all of a sudden, it seizes up. And I'm right back where I was. Release it. Release it. Be free. Do not claim to be a Christian when your life is defined by a lack of forgiveness. Allow the Spirit of God to land in conviction and love and soften your heart to let it go. He has forgiven us. That's where it goes back. He forgave us. We must forgive. We must forgive. Let's go on. Our protection Lead us not into temptation. Lead, lead us not into temptation, Father. What, what is this prayer? Is this, is this difficult to conceive? Like, why would we be concerned that our good and glorious Father would, would lead us into temptation? It's not what we're saying here. We're, we're praying this prayer, Lord, feed us. Lord, forgive us and lead us. Lead us according to your all-wise purposes and plans. And here's really the expression of, I don't trust me. I look to you, right? I need you to lead me. I don't want to drive this car. You drive. Here's the keys. Lead me. Don't lead me toward temptation, which is where I'm, I'm bent to go. Lead me into righteousness and holiness. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me away from it. Lead me into obedience. Fullness of life. 
the Lord is not the tempter to sin. He never tempts anybody to sin. Each one is, is led away by his own desires, James says. We have the inclination to sin, not the Lord. You can't say, hey, listen, I was just trying to obey the Lord, but he led me to sin. No, that doesn't fly. He's good. He's a good father. We need his leading in our lives. Now, this next part is fascinating. Let's read this. I I titled this Persistent Prayers, verses 5 through 10. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Okay, we're like, oh, all right, let's see. Um, who am I in this story? Well, I'm the guy, I'm pretty sure I'm the guy knocking, right? That seems like, we're the, the knockers. We're, we're knocking. And, and I need, right? So I need, and well, I guess that means that the father is the guy sleeping who is super annoyed that I'm knocking and asking, right? And, and, and he's like, no, I don't want to give you anything. Is that what Jesus is teaching us here? No. The one-to-one ratio doesn't fit here. In fact, if anything, it's a contrast. He's purposely contrasting us, and you'll see this play out in the following verses. We, in fact, are the ones who are encouraged to go and knock. Hospitality in this time was a huge thing. If a friend showed up and, and, and you didn't have any food, you would go and find someone that you knew and knock on their door, even if it was late. Figure 1 p.m. or what is it? 1 a.m. in the morning. This guy's asleep. All his family is asleep. This is one room schoolhouse living, right? They're all there. They're all asleep. If I keep knocking, who else is going to wake up? The little kids. They work so hard to get to bed. Will you stop knocking? No, I don't want to give you anything. Leave me alone. And he just keeps knocking. You don't understand. I need these breads. Three loaves, not just one. I need three. I've got a friend. And you just keep knocking. Impudence. You just keep knocking. You won't quit. The word here is shamelessly bold. Some translate this as as persistent. It's a a word that only occurs once in the Bible. It's a fascinating word. It's a, a shameless boldness to keep knocking. I'm gonna knock until everybody in there is awake because I need, I need, I need, and I'm looking to you to supply. Now watch how he builds this out. He goes on. He doesn't stop here. He goes on, and this is how we understand it then. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. He won't say, quit knocking, leave me alone, I'm sleeping. No, if you ask, he will give. If you uh, uh, seek, you will find. This is, these are promises. Look to the Father. If you knock, he will open the door. He won't say, go away trying to sleep everyone who asks receives 
And the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks will be opened. This is the goodness of a father who delights in our impudence, our bold, shameless, I am in need. And you are the person I'm looking to. I need your help. I'm looking to you. You ever prayed for something for a long time? Someone's conversion, someone's protection, someone's medical healing. You realize that there is a function in God's all-wise plan that will encourage us to persist in prayer. Keep knocking. Don't stop praying. God is an all-wise Father. He is wise beyond all we could ever conceive of. If my three-year-old came and said, Dad, I want to buy a Ferrari, would a wise father give the keys of a brand-new Ferrari to a three-year-old? No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. So sometimes God, in his goodness and grace, he says no. No, the answer is no. You don't know what I know. To give you that, to answer in that way, would, would be to, to, to cause you harm at this point. Hmm. Sometimes it's wait. I want to build your faith. I want to show you what persisting in prayer looks like. Don't give up. Keep looking to me. Be persistent. Be faithful. Bring others into this prayer effort and journey in this place. Sometimes the answer is yes. Hmm. But we can know that when we look to him, he delights to respond. He delights to respond because this is how it closes here. He's a good and giving father. He's a good and giving father. This is what Jesus wants to emphasize for us as we draw to a close this morning. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil, and just pause for a second here. Uh, this is Jesus calling us all evil. Receive it. It is fact. Jesus is not trying to offend us. He's simply stating a fact, even such that, that it's just part of the flow. Oh, by the way, you guys are all evil, and if you love this way, just imagine. If you who are all evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, as a point of contrast, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He delights to bless he delights to give. The greatest gift he gives is through Christ and his work and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the comfort, the seal of eternity, his presence there. Hmm. What a father he is. You do not have because you do not ask, James says. I'll tell you a story about Ethan here. Look at this CB. Anyone have one of these back in the day? I got this at a yard sale. This is old tech, okay? Now they're much smaller. 
we got guys who were wearing little tiny earpiece things and, and, and stuff. We, we got these at a yard sale when Ethan was just uh, getting free of the training wheels on his bike in our old neighborhood, and there was a loop that we were saying, okay, we feel confident now. We're, we're going to let the bird fly a little bit. We're going to ask you to ride on the sidewalk, stay on the sidewalk, watch out for cars, and ride around the loop, and then stop maybe halfway and, and talk to us, and we'll see if it works. We were having so much fun. We're upstairs. Hey, breaker one, can you hear me? You know, all this. It was, it was so fun. And so Ethan, poor little guy, I mean, he's got this bike, and he straps this thing on like this, and this, look at this antenna. I mean, this looks like cell phone original here. And he's trying to ride his bike, and he takes off, and, and so I've got the other one, and I'm over here in the driveway, like this, waiting. And we're going to see how far the range is on this thing, right? I'm, I'm waiting to hear from him. And he takes off, and he rounds the first corner, rounds the next corner, and then he's trying to turn... The, the third corner, and the antenna gets hung on his, on his uh, handlebars and jabs him in the gut, and he wrecks. He crashes, and he skins his knee, and he's laying there. And, and I'm over here just waiting. I'm like, man, babe, it's been a long time. Uh, I wonder if he's okay. You think? Was there a car? What happened? Nothing. I'm waiting. I'm ready to respond. I'm wanting to help. It, you know what? Ethan, in the moment of pain and tears, he forgot all about this. It was there. All he had to do was pull it up and say, Dad, come help me. I had a wreck. But he never remembered to pray. It's there, friends. We have this with the Father a good and giving Father. He says, come to me. Depend upon me. Look to me. Honor me with your needs and watch me respond. Just don't forget to push talk. Hmm. What a good God we have. What incredible access we've been given. Response this morning. Lord, teach us to pray. You feel that? I, I hope that you feel a, a holy discontent with your current prayer life. As good as it is, it can be better. As long as you've been praying, it can grow. No matter where you're at today, there are ways to put these things to work. Jesus has just taught us about prayer in these words. I want you to identify maybe a category or two to improve as you commune with God day by day. If you're coming to our fall Bible studies, the psalms that we, that we read and, and pray then back up to God will help in a huge way with this. The, the praise and uh, the confession psalms are there. The prayers of gratitude and supplication. All of these will teach us to pray biblical prayers. Grow in your prayers with the Lord. And, and I would just say this. If God has convicted you of sin this morning, if today you hear his voice 
Do not harden your heart. Repent. Release. Be free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we delight in you. We, we delight in this, this window of instruction that we've been giving, uh, given by our Savior himself. We, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in prayer. Help us to pray more often. Help us to pray more biblically tuned prayers. Help us to be more concerned about your glory and your kingdom and your will in our lives. I pray, Father, that you would grow us to pray prayers of dependence that would honor you and glorify you. Build us an instinct to be quick to grab the CB and and call on you. We confess how often we forget how often we try to take matters into our own hands. Lord, we give praise to you because you're such a good father. You're patient, you're gracious, you're forgiving. Father, we, we honor you in this place today. And we pray that you would, in greater and greater ways, cause us to treasure and value you, the gift of every prayer we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.